You open your Bibles to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. We're going to be starting at verses 13 to 25, but let's pray before we get started. Father, we ask that this morning you would once again speak to us. We know that these words are, are breathed by you, Father. They are profitable for us for instruction, for correction, for proving us, Lord. And so we pray that they would do just that and that our hearts would be receptive to what you have for us. God, there are so many things that are competing for our attention right now, things that have happened throughout this week, things that are are taking place in our lives right now. But, Father, may we sit at your feet and receive from you things that will be profitable for us in our relationship with you. We do ask it in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. We're coming to a portion in this book of Romans where Paul gives us insight into some struggles that he is experiencing in his life. It's kind of a dark passage, really, as we look at those struggles that Paul is having in his life, and there are things that I believe we, too, can relate to. Paul went through them, we go through them, and as we read these things, we'll be able to say, yeah, I understand what he's talking about. I've experienced that. I know exactly what he's talking about. And you see, since the beginning, from Cain and Abel, there has been this struggle of good and evil, this desire to to worship God or to be at war with God, this ability to do things for good or for evil, for better, for worse. We can either be a forgiver or we can be a hater. And this takes place not only as we see in the world and in society, but this struggle takes place in each of us as well. It's not just something that we see external. It's something that we experience internally. And that's where Paul leads us right now. We're going to start at verse 13. And Paul says, Did that which is good then become death to me? He's talking about the law. And let me preface what I'm going to be reading here. There are places in the New International Translation where it says sinful nature. That's not a a good translation. That's not actually in the text. The text actually says flesh. But the translators were trying to give us insight in what was taking place, and I believe they did a disservice. Now, don't just, I'm not just saying this because Sam says so. These are what other commentators have said, okay? This is not just this guy who has a high school diploma says. This is talking about a lot of translator. And so in the New American Standard, New King James Version, King James Version, you'll see the word flesh is there. The New International, they were trying to give us insight, but I'll explain why I believe they did it injustice. So when we see that word, I'm just going to insert the word flesh. But he says, did that which is good, speaking of the law, then become death to me? By no means. But in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it produced death in me through what was good, so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. Paul is telling us here that God has given us instruction, has given us the law 
to help us understand where we really are at. And we experience this constantly throughout our lives. Do you guys remember when the speed limit was 55 miles an hour? I don't know why they did that. But no one drove 55. They all drove at least 60. And then they changed it to 65. Did anyone drive 65? No. Now I can drive 70. No, it says 55. It says 65. Doesn't matter. Something in me says, oh, yeah? I can do this. And we know this experience with our children as well. You know, we, we've got things backwards in how we, we try and train our kids. I'm convinced that if you want to get your kids to eat their vegetables, you put them on the plate and you say, don't touch those. Don't touch those peas. I've counted every one of them. And I don't want you to touch a single one. Oh, the cookies and ice cream, you can have all you want, but leave those peas alone. Something in that kid's going to say, what is it about the peas that I can't have? When you're not looking, I'm going to sneak one. And, oh, they don't really taste good, but maybe it's the after effect. <laughs> maybe later on I'll get the benefit of the peas. And we just have this in our nature. Something about us just wants to go where we shouldn't. And as soon as that sign says, wet paint, don't touch, something in us wants to go, hmm. And God has given us the law to show us what's really taking place within our hearts. He's given this to us to help us to see what is taking place. And as he's going to go on here, we get to see kind of an intimate part of who Paul is. A lot of people have said that this is Paul at his worst, but really I believe it's Paul at his best. And I think if we can identify with where he is at, we can also go where he went. Because really what we want to understand is who we really are. Who are you? That's why I titled this, Who Do You Think You Are? Because it's important to recognize who we really are. You know, my daughter has a Yorkie. That's not it, but... <laughs> but she does the same thing. She, she puts clothes on the dog. It's a dog. Doesn't need clothes, but, you know, she's a girl and she's got the cute little outfits for the dog. She's got a raincoat for the dog. The dog has a little bag that it travels in. Yorkies, though, were not made to wear clothes. Just letting you know, hon. <laughs> and the other day, they went outside and Honey, that's the dog's name, had something and was going after it. And what Honey did was catch a mouse and killed a mouse. Because Yorkies were actually bred to kill rats. That's what they were bred to do. Yes. You can dress one up, you can put a sweater on it, but its nature is 
a predator. And if it sees a mouse, it's going after it. Why? Because that's who it is. And it doesn't matter what you dress it up like, it's still a dog. And you see, we get into a place where we have a turmoil inside of who are we as followers of Jesus Christ? What is my nature? Because there is a battle that takes place within us. In Jeremiah 13, verse 23, it says, Can an Ethiopian change his skin or a leopard its spots? Neither can you do good who are accustomed to doing evil. Something about that resonates with us. We understand that is our natural disposition. That is how we are bent. But this gospel message is saying that something different can take place, that we can actually be changed. And our experience, for the most part, is that people don't change. That's our experience. But we have hope and faith in God that we can that we are not locked in to this nature that is bent towards sin, but that God can do something and change us. In John 3, verses 17 and 18, it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. You see, our nature is that we will not change. We stand condemned already. But if we believe, then God can rescue us from this condition. And so we need to look at this condition a little bit and find out where are we or where were we and where are we now? What were we? And what are we supposed to be? Continuing on in verse 14, it says, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do I do not do, but what I hate I do, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do not for what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Thank you, Paul, for spelling that out to us so clearly. But you know what? I understand this completely. Does anyone else relate to this? Does anyone else read these things and say, Oh my gosh, it's me. We all do. If we've been taken hold of by the Spirit of God 
And I'll explain that in a little bit. Verse 20 says, Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. The reason I don't like the translation sinful nature is because you are not a bipolar spirit. You don't have two spirits living in you. You have one spirit, the spirit of God, but you still have your flesh. Our flesh has memory, has history, has habits, has struggles. It has momentum from the life that we've lived before we came to the Lord. Now, some of you had a whole lot of momentum. Some of your lives were going to hell in a handbasket. And you were going downhill and there were no brakes. And your momentum was carrying you very, very fast. Some of you didn't have that much. You were goody two-shoes in school. You did your homework and all that stuff. Hated people like you. And the momentum wasn't as, sever as severe. But our momentum from our lives carries us even after we say, Jesus, I need you in my life. Have you ever been to the carnival or the fair and, and they have that one ride that's just made to make people sick? You, you get into this circular thing and it starts spinning around and then the floor drops guys know what I'm talking about? And the, the momentum that G-force pushes you up against the wall and then the floor goes down, going down and you stick up against the wall, you know, and some of the guys who are trying to be strong, they lift their arms off, you know, they try and pull up and they kind of move out. And there's that one girl who weighs, you know, 70 pounds and she's like a piece of paper against the wall, you know, she just, you know. And then there's the one guy who, who still sinks to the bottom, you know, even though the floor does. <laughs> but the momentum pushes you against the wall and it puts you in that place. Well, our lives have momentum. We're, we're, we're moving our lives. Then we come to a place where God reveals himself to us and we recognize our condition. We recognize that the law has shown us our sinfulness. We we understand we are not living the way we should. We recognize that we are condemned already and that we need a Savior. And we say, Jesus, come into my life. And he says, okay, I am going to change you. I am going to give you a new nature. And 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. You don't have an old nature. There is what Paul calls the old man. There is the flesh. There is the momentum of who we used to be. There is the struggle of our memory reminding us of those things. They are the habits and the way we've lived. The patterns of our, our life were such that we did this, we did this, we did this. And then we come to faith in Christ and our body's saying, you need a drink. You need to smoke that cigarette. 
You still want to look at that porn. You still want to do these things. Why? Because you've been doing it your whole life. It's what you're used to doing, and the momentum of your life is carrying you along. But God is saying, you aren't that anymore. That is the flesh. Old things are passed away. It is gone. I have made all things new. But what we struggle with is recognizing who God has made us because we still have the memory. We still are trying to slow down that momentum or or change course or redirect our lives or, or change those habits that we've had. And so we battle like Paul does, and I say, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't do it. I, what I'm not supposed to do, that's what I'm doing. Why do I do what I don't want to do and don't do what I'm supposed to do? Well, it's the baggage we bring in to our lives. It is evidence of who we were. But it is not who we are. If we have said, Jesus Give me, come into my life. Change me. Make me a new creation. If we have said that, he says, okay, I've taken care of it. You are now a new creation. That is gone. Well, why do I still feel it? It's the momentum of your life. It's the history of who you were. And we don't forget. We don't stop craving. You know, I I went on that Atkins diet a while back. I thought, this is great. I can eat, you know, all the meat and stuff that I want. My body started screaming for bread and pasta. It just says, what are you doing to me? You're Italian. (laughs) It was screaming for those carbs. Why? Because it's used to it. You can't just get rid of that stuff. God never meant you to give up pasta. (laughs) Your body still craves it. it. It's still the appetite that's there. And we come to this relationship with God and we struggle with that appetite. We struggle with the flesh. Because the flesh is decaying. It's given to sin. It's part of the Adamic fallen nature. And it needs to be changed. And until it's changed, we battle it. But what you need to understand is you are not a Yorkie with a sweater. And you still want to go after that mouse, and that's part of who you are. You are a butterfly that has been transformed from that caterpillar, from that cocoon. You are a new person in Christ if you've opened your heart to Jesus. Very important that you know who you are if you are a follower of Jesus. It's your identity. And everything in your past, 
Maybe even your old friends are going to tell you who you are and they're going to point back to, don't you remember? Look at the things you think about. Where, no, this is who you are and you have to say, no, that's not what I want to do. One of my favorite psalms, Psalm 42, verses 5 through 11. Turn there with me. The psalmist is remembering when he used to go with the procession to the house of God, to the the presence of God. And in Psalm 42, verse 5, he says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember from the land of the Jordan the heights of Hermon, the Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep. In the roar of the waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. The reason I love this psalm is because like Paul in Romans chapter 7, he is recognizing a condition that he sees. He's recognizing where his soul, his thoughts, his mind wants to go. God, where are you? I don't feel you. My enemy is around me. I'm being bombarded. I'm, I'm without hope. I'm without despair. Wait a second. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Hoping God. And he is reminding himself of the truth of who God is and that God is with him. Now, the psalmist would remember when he would go to the temple because there was the presence of God revealed. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We no longer go to the temple, but we can say like the psalmist, wait a second, why are you downcast all my soul? Why are you thinking this way? And What's amazing about Romans chapter 7 is that Paul is identifying what is taking place. You cannot be the person identifying the battle within you. In other words, he's not just the sinful nature because he is seeing it. You see, before I came to Christ, I was not aware of my condition. It's a funny thing. When I became a Christian, I realized how bad my condition was. I didn't know it was that bad. I was blind to it. I was ignorant. I was doing whatever I wanted, and sometimes I was like, well, that wasn't very nice to that person. I guess I shouldn't have, you know, did that or ripped them off or treated them that way. It's like, ah, that wasn't very good. The Spirit of God trying to get into me to reveal himself to me. But it was like, oh, no, that's not a big deal. But when I said, Jesus, I, I, I do need a change of life, All of a sudden, my eyes were open, and I started saying, Oh, my gosh, I did that? Oh. And it's 
It's almost like after I became a Christian, I, I realized how bad I really was because my eyes were open to that. I was no longer just that person. You see, Honey, the little Yorkie, does not know what's going on. She doesn't stand back and say, you know, it's my nature to chase a mouse. But, you know, I would like another nature. I'd like a nature that didn't chase mice, that harvested instead. It doesn't enter her mind because she is just that. The reason Paul can say, I see a war taking place, is because he is no longer that person. He is a new creation in Christ who is able to discern and say, I recognize who you are. The reason the psalmist can say, why are you disquieted, O my soul? Because he knows the reality of who God is and the circumstance that he's feeling within himself. And that's where the battle takes place within us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 40 through 50, Paul addresses this a little bit further. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 40. He says, there are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly body is one kind and the splendor of the earthly body is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, the stars another, and star differs from star in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection from the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. He's talking about our physical body. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. We have an earthly body. It is going to decay. It has to. It is corrupt. It cannot inherit eternity. And just like the first Adam was earthly, so our bodies bear his image. But just like Jesus is heavenly, now we bear his image. But we carry along with us until this body's put down, we bear that image still. We don't carry the nature, we just deal with the flesh. And what we are warring against is this body, this history, this appetite that comes with this flesh. But we are spirit and we are born again 
and we have a spiritual nature if we belong to Christ. And you have to know who you were and you have to know who you now are in Christ, who God has created you and I to be in Jesus. It is not to live in the sinful nature. It is to be changed. Go back to Romans chapter 7. So I find verse 21. This law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Yeah. It's right here. I don't want to eat that cheesecake. My body does. Taste buds can taste it. Salivating, thinking about it. I don't want to lust after that. My body is dealing with it, have the temptation, the, the cravings. I don't want to give in to that emotion, but I'm feeling it, I'm sensing it, I have the memory of it. Evil is with me. Verse 22, for in the inner being, that's who we really are, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You have been rescued. It's not, I'm waiting, yeah, we're waiting for the redemption of our bodies. We're waiting for that time when this corruption will put on incorruption, where this perishable will put on imperishable. But we've already been rescued. I have been made a new creation in Christ. The old things are gone. All things have become new. Thank God through Jesus Christ, I am now able to stand back and say, that is not me. I do not have to live under that rule any longer. I struggle with it. I fight against it. I, I still succumb to the temptation, but that is not who I am. I am a new creation in Christ. And just as we had to depend on Jesus to be justified by him in the sight of God. We needed him to make us right in the sight of God. We need him to sanctify us, to make us journey through this and get past this flesh, get past this physical corruption. We still are dependent on him. But thank God through Jesus Christ. So then... He goes on in verse 25 say, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the flesh a slave to the law of sin. And that's the battle he's talking about. I want to serve God, but I still carry along with me this dead body. One of the things that they used to do in Rome 
If a person was convicted of a crime of murder, of involuntary manslaughter of some sort, and he was found guilty of that crime, one of the punishments that they used to do is they would tie the dead body to him, and he would have to carry that body with him. And so he would carry along with him this corpse. And if he would try and remove the corpse, he would be executed. And so part of his punishment for a period of time, it might be three days, it might be a week, I'm not sure how long it was, but he would have to drag with him a corpse and it would stink and it would smell and it would start to decay on him and he would get sores and get his gross. That was the punishment, carrying that dead body around. Doesn't that describe how we feel sometimes? I'm carrying this corpse around. But I am not that person any longer. That is not my nature. I do not have to be that person. I am new in Christ. And in my mind... Myself, my true self, I serve the law of God, but I still am subject to the cravings, the momentum, the memories of this body. Paul then jumps out of his skin in Romans chapter 8, and he says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do and that it was weakened by the flesh, God did by by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be the sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You see, what you and I need to understand is who we really are and what God has really done and how that affects our life and that God does not condemn you If you belong to him, he has dealt with that sinful nature and you don't have to be subject to it. You don't have to be in bondage to it. You can recognize what it is and say, that is no longer me. I have a new life that is in Jesus Christ. I am now the righteousness of God because of Jesus Christ. That is my identity. That is my heritage. That is who I really am. And God does not condemn me. Some of you are being hindered by the memories, by the momentum of your past. And you are struggling thinking that is who you are. Because I still have those feelings. Because I still have those desires. Because I still have this weakness. And you are closing yourself into this place where you see yourself as this person. God doesn't. God sees you as a new creation in Jesus. You need to recognize that that's who you are if you have said yes to Jesus.
And that's the big if. Because unless that has taken place, we don't even recognize the battle that's really going on. But if you recognize that battle and you said, Jesus, I surrender my life to you, then he says, okay, I don't condemn you. This is now who you are. Live your life as this. And don't surrender to the flesh. Who do you think you are? Who do you identify yourself as? Thank God through Jesus Christ that we can serve God even though we carry this flesh, that God doesn't condemn us, that God has dealt with that sinful, corrupted flesh in the person of Jesus Christ and has given us a new nature that can honor him and live for him and represent him. And that's who you and I are supposed to be. That doesn't give in to the flesh, but gives in to the spirit. Let's pray. Father, I know we all struggle with this flesh, with temptation, with the momentum of our lives before we came to you. And Lord, some of us are paralyzed by that history. Some of us are seeing ourselves only as that sinful person. And this battle that is taking place within us, we are losing, we are being defeated And Lord, many times it's because we don't recognize who you have made us. And we don't see ourselves as a new creation. We still see ourselves in that image of the old person. Father, this isn't something we get out of just by thinking or having positive thoughts. This is something that you have taken care of through the person of Jesus Christ. You have given us your nature. You have put your law within our hearts. This is what the new covenant is all about. It is about you at work within us, changing us from the inside out. God, I pray that this morning we would recognize who we really are and that we would surrender ourselves to you and that we would continue walking towards you even though we carry with us this flesh, that we would not give in and surrender, become frustrated. God, you work within us. You give us hope. You call us to move further on. And I pray we would do that, that you would be seen in us, that our lives would honor you. Father, I pray that even now as we continue in worship, that we would give of ourselves to you, that we would surrender our hearts to you, that we would see ourselves as you see us, that we would put aside 
the flesh and that our minds would honor you, who we really are would give glory to you. Let's worship the, the Lord at this time. Let's give him thanks for what he has done, how he has rescued us, and let's see ourselves in the completed work that Jesus has done. Let's allow that work to continue in us, that God would perfect us, make us holy as he is holy, that he would continue to change us. Let's worship him.